to the Elevating Your Potential podcast, where we're like middle school and high school student athletes about the realities of college sports. Um, today, we're going to talk about your nutrition. Uh, for some people, this might be a great topic for you. For some people, you might dread it. I was one of those people who slightly leaned towards the dreading part when I played. I wasn't very good uh, for my nutrition until Brittany held me accountable, who we have here. Um, she's a great person, and she's a great um, um, person that will help us uh, understand our nutrition and why we make some of the decisions we make in terms of fueling our body. So, Brittany, how are you doing today? I'm good, Jeremiah. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. And thank you for joining us on the podcast. Yeah, um, thanks for having me. Yes, for sure. So can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and what you do now? Sure. So I am, like you said, my name is Brittany Bearden and I'm a sports dietitian. So I'm a registered dietitian and I specialize uh, in sports. So I work with athletes from um, high school to pro, uh, working with them to help maximize their health and athletic performance through how they feel. So we do, I do that in a lot of different ways. Um, and I've worked, um, historically I've done a lot of colleges. So that's where we met at SMU. Mm -hmm. So I've worked full time as a sports dietitian in the college setting. So I worked, um, I did undergrad at Texas A&M. So I worked as like a student worker for the sports dietitians there. And then I went to Auburn uh, and worked as a graduate assistant sports dietitian there with the athletes, worked at Indiana University, worked at SMU. And then now I consult with professional teams in the Dallas area. So I work with uh, the Dallas Mavericks, FC Dallas, and the Dallas Wings. Wow, just moving up, moving up. I trying, love it. Trying, trying. Love it. <laughs> so can you, I've always wondered this, like what's the difference between a nutritionist and a dietitian, or is there a difference at all? Oh yes, there's definitely a difference. And that's a very good question because a lot of people don't know the difference with that. So, <clears throat> and it's, whenever you're seeking nutrition advice, it is a good idea. It's great to know the difference with this because there is a large difference. So um, basically every dietitian is a nutritionist, but not every nutritionist is a dietitian. Okay. So there's legal definitions for a dietitian. So to be a registered dietitian, which is uh, what I am, so you'll see the name RD behind someone's name if, if they are a registered dietitian. Mm -hmm. um, so that is a nationally recognized like title and profession. And in order to do that, so you have to have, you have to do an undergrad degree in dietetics. And then after that, you have to apply for a dietetic internship. And if you get matched with one of those, which it's pretty competitive to get matched. So once you get matched, then you do uh, 1200 hours of supervised clinical practice. Okay. Um, so you do that in, the, in an accredited dietetic internship and you rotate in like the hospital with like clinical patients, you rotate in like food service, you rotate in community. So you learn a different, a lot of different aspects of uh, nutrition mm -hmm. and how to treat like the clinical stuff is how you treat different disease states with nutrition. So we get a lot of that clinical training and we learn what's called medical nutrition therapy during that internship and during schooling as well. So how to, you know, we learn like what nutrients interact with other nutrients and what food, like different, we learn a lot of that clinical stuff. Um, so after you complete that dietetic internship, then you're eligible to sit for the board exam. Mm. So then you have to pass the national board exam that's, that's, uh, run by the Commission on Dietetic Registration. So if you pass that, then you are a registered dietitian. And then that's where you can um, practice as a dietitian and, and do all the things that we're legally covered to do. So, and then we have to continually get continuing education hours too, to maintain that uh, credential. And then, so that's, that's a registered dietitian. Right. Okay? And then you have a nutritionist and there's no legal qualifications to call yourself a nutritionist. So right. like you could call yourself a nutritionist 
uh, your grandma could tell you to call your, like really anyone could just be like, oh yeah, I'm a nutritionist. Like, you know, so there's no, there's no legal definition or qualification to call yourself a nutritionist, whereas a registered dietitian, um, that is, uh, there's like legal requirements to be able to call yourself that and practice as a dietitian. Perfect. Thank you for that clarity. I've just, I've seen both words, but I didn't know how they connected with each other. So thank you for that. Yeah. So always seek out a registered dietitian uh, for your nutrition needs. Perfect. Perfect. So what actually made you become um, a dietitian and furthermore a sports dietitian? Yeah. So, and thank you for calling me a dietitian. And that's another thing too. So when you're working with a dietitian <laughs> too, always call them a dietitian. Uh, yeah. So I, I grew up playing sports. Uh, I love sports. Uh, I played a variety of sports. Basketball was always my favorite and always the one like I was best at. So that was always my, my sport for sure, but I always loved playing sports. Uh, and so wanted to, once I kind of try, was trying to decide what I wanted to do for a career, always thought it'd be fun to do something in sports knew I couldn't play sports my whole life so I was like what could I do you know in that sports arena I love like like I love the competitive environment I love being a part of a team kind of all those things and then I also always kind of enjoyed food and that kind of stuff uh not so much the nutrition like early on so like in high school when I was trying to decide what I wanted to do I was like if I could do some kind of job that incorporated like sports and food and nutrition so at the time and sports nutrition has grown a ton in the past couple of years, but at the time, that was a while ago at the time, uh, I was like, if I could do like, you know, nutrition and food for sports teams, like that would, that, that sounds great. But I knew nothing about like dietetics or nothing about right. the career path. So that was basically the goal. And I always knew that I wanted to do sports. Like always, always knew that like, in, I wanted to do like sports nutrition and mm-hmm. n- not like work in a hospital or work somewhere else. I always knew I wanted to do sports. So throughout my education and career, I always sought out those sports opportunities. So like at at Texas A&M where I did my undergrad degree, I contacted like the sports dietitians that worked there at Texas A&M and was fortunate enough to get to work with them, get exposed to kind of their day-to-day jobs and what they do, fell in love with it and kind of just continued, it kind of continued that way. So then uh, I was a graduate assistant sports dietitian at Auburn University. So worked underneath the head full-time sports dietitian there and and same kind of thing. I was really immersed in it in a full-time capacity and just loved what I was doing every day. I was getting to work with, you know, the collegiate student athletes, teaching them how to fuel for their sport. You know, I was in the weight room. I was in the training table. I was in the weight uh, weight room, kind of all those different um, scenarios, getting to know the athletes and educating them on um, nutrition and just loved the environment, loved it and just, um, so that's kind of how I got started in it. And the longer mm-hmm. I've been in it, just the more, um, the more I've enjoyed it. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. That's great. Um, so why is nutrition so important to sports performance, in your opinion? So nutrition directly impacts physiology. And right. nutrition is one of those things, too, that, like, we, we all eat, right? Well, we yeah. all eat now, and we will all eat the rest of our lives. So it's something, one reason that I was really interested in nutrition is because it's a field that affects everyone. So not everyone has good nutrition, but we all eat. We all eat. So whether you have good nutrition habits or poor nutrition habits, it's going to impact you one way or the other. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of a lifelong theme. So it's not just, you know, nutrition is not just for athletes. It's not just for like, it literally impacts everyone. So when it comes to kind of the athletic performance space and athletes, how they eat impacts a lot of things about them. So obviously first and foremost, like how you eat impacts your health. Okay. Your overall health. Like we, you have to be healthy 
in order to compete and play your best. So mm -hmm. first and foremost, you know, the nutrients that you eat in food is going to provide the nutrients that you need for, you know, for growth and for your metabolism to function properly and enzyme reactions and for healing and recovery and muscle growth. And um, so all those kind of basic things that we need to stay healthy. And then again, as we kind of get more into like the sports specific things, like it, it's your fuel source. So like the, mm -hmm. the, the types of foods that you eat impact your energy levels. Okay. If you're not eating enough for your training demands, that's going to, you're going to run into problems eventually. Uh, recovery, you know, so obviously as an athlete, there's a lot higher demands on their body, on their muscles, on their body. And so they need different things than your non-active individuals. Right. So making sure that they're keeping up with that. So not only energy, but also the recovery component, mm -hmm. uh, hydration, of course, you know, they're sweating a lot more as well whenever they're competing. And so just making sure that we're replacing fluid losses, we're replacing electrolyte losses, um, and then too, another thing too, if, you know, depending on your sport and your position and your goals, uh, a certain weight or certain body fat percentage can also be beneficial in your sport performance. And so, right. you know, too, I mean, there's a couple of different factors that can play into your body composition, but the way you eat is a, is a big thing that you can change to help right. with that. So whether you know, you know, you need to gain overall weight or lose a little bit of overall weight or change the composition of your weight. So maybe you need to, you know, put on some muscle mass or you do need to lose a little bit of body fat or whatever that is, nutrition is going to play a big role in that. For sure. So let's, I like the way that you're going here. So let's talk about some of those areas. So what are some things that we can eat or drink to help us with our energy levels? So there's, you know, there's several things we can look at when it comes to nutrition for an athlete. So you mentioned like energy levels. Okay. So that's going to be one important thing that first and foremost, that athlete looks at too, when we look at nutrition. So depending on, and there's so many things too, with nutrition, when it comes to athletes that are going to be individualized. So mm -hmm. there's, you know, there's some general things that are going to be true with nutrition, no matter who we're talking about kind of thing. Right. But when we look at like, so kind of one thing that, you know, I always like to evaluate with an athlete is their energy intake compared to their energy expenditure. Okay. Okay, so energy, we can, you know, we can, that's another word for calories or fuel. There's kind of a couple of different terms we can use for that. But um, we want to make sure that the, you know, that the athlete is eating enough for their training demands. Okay. And the training demands too change with season, change with sport, change with your this position. So that's, that's the part that's individualized because you know, you as a football player, your needs are very different than like our female golfers or so all those things vary based on the athlete, but we want to make sure that they're eating enough for their training demands. And then of course we can look at where those calories are coming from. So, you know, cause you could still be eating enough calories, but you could be eating it from not so healthy foods. Right. So that's kind of the next thing we want to look at is like, okay, where are your calories coming from? Are we getting some good nutrients? Or are we getting some antioxidants? Are we getting some vitamins? Are we getting minerals? Are we getting enough? Uh, are we breaking out the calories between, so your, your micronutrients or your three big nutrients that, that provide calories, which are carbohydrates, protein, and fat. Mm -hmm. So we can look at, you know, are, are you getting enough protein? Are you timing it appropriately? Are you getting enough carbohydrates? And when we look at those three big nutrients that provide calories, um, carbohydrates and fat are the two that are going to provide energy. Okay. Protein is going to provide a little bit, but we don't want protein to be a major energy source. Okay. So carbs and fat well, are the yeah, two. If you don't mind me asking. Yeah. So with protein, protein does a ton of things in our body. As an athlete, we always talk about like how it builds muscle and muscle recovery and all those mm -hmm. things, which is, which is true, but it also, it's, it's also involved in like hair growth, nail growth, immune system, your immune system. It's involved in making hormones and enzymes. 
So it does a lot of other things. And there is a way during exercise that that can get, um, that amino acids can get converted in the metabolism to contribute to energy. But if we're having too much of those amino acids contributing to energy, we're having some muscle breakdown for that to happen. Okay. So it, again, it can contribute maybe five, 10%, but if it's, if it's a large majority of energy coming from protein, mm-hmm. then that's not going to be a positive thing. Got you. Yeah. So, so carbohydrates and fat in general are going to be the two that provide energy. Okay. So then depending on your um, activity. So right now we're both just sitting here, right? We're, right. we're requiring a little bit of energy to like sit up and breathe and that kind of stuff and be alive, but it's a very, very low intensity. So any most, it really any, any, any energy source that we are using right now is coming from fat because it's a very low intensity. And then if we went outside and sprinted right now, that's a very high intensity. Mm-hmm. So the higher intensity activities are going to be supplied primarily through carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. So carbohydrates are, and again, most, again, depending on the, the sport and the position, mm-hmm. the type of activity that you're doing impacts the energy source. And generally it's a percentage. So maybe, you know, like 73% is coming from carbs and then the remainder is coming from fat kind of thing. But carbohydrates, when we look at energy too, getting back to your original question of making sure we're getting enough energy, carbohydrates is going to be key in, uh, in, in energy because that's going to be the primary energy source and the preferred energy source for athletes during training. Perfect. Thank you so much. That was a great breakdown. I can tell you've taught this before, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um, so can you give the, um, our student athletes like what, what are some examples of carbs that they can be eating now that are good? Um, carbs and fats, since those are the two. Um, we want to do carbs, but you also said fats as well. Can you talk about both of those? Yeah, yeah. and I feel like, so all those are important, carbohydrates, protein, and fat. So mm-hmm. when we look specifically, you know, at carbohydrates and fat, so starting with carbohydrates, there we want to get some good quality carbohydrates. And you've probably heard before, like simple carbohydrates and complex carbohydrates, right? So compl- basically the difference with that is like, it gets at the chemical structure, but basically a simple carbohydrate, those are um, ones that we want to use around training. So like if you have like a pre-workout snack uh, or a snack, like at halftime of the game, we want more of those simple carbohydrates because they're going to give you energy quickly and they don't take long to digest. So, cause, because those chains are small in the, in the food. So it's like one or two molecules. It's going to provide you energy quickly. Boom. It's not going to bother your stomach. Mm-hmm. So those are ones that we want to use around training. Okay, but generally those are lower in nutrients. So when we get outside of those training periods, so let's say a meal, you know, you're having lunch, you're having dinner that's not around training, we want to choose more of those complex carbohydrates because that's going to give us more nutrients. And so some of those nutrients may be like fiber, for example, is a type of carbohydrate. So fiber is really helpful for your digestive system, or it may have more vitamins and minerals. So we want to choose more of those complex carbohydrates. So examples of the complex carbohydrates would be things like oatmeal, brown rice, uh, whole grain breads, uh, potatoes, sweet potatoes, uh, black beans, things like that that are going to give us some of those um, carbohydrates that are going to take longer to digest because we're having their their longer chains. So it's going to keep us feeling full longer while also providing energy, but it's going to be like a slower released energy with more nutrients. So some, like, so again, just some overall good carbohydrate sources. Those ones we mentioned all, all whole grain products. So like, um, again, rice, quinoa, couscous, whole grain breads, oatmeal, whole grain cereals. Um, we can do, uh, what other, what potatoes, sweet potatoes, those kind of things. 
So trying to include those kind of carbohydrates at meals is what we want to do. And then we, we can use those simple carbohydrates around training. Yeah, perfect. And to take that one step further, um, when we're looking at all these, like the carbohydrates, fats, proteins, how do we, um, like just general information, I know it's different for everyone, but like serving size, what does that yeah. come from? Like? That's a good question too. So one way that I like to break it out is, so you can, when you can kind of consider your typical like plate, like your dinner plate. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so we can, we can adjust it based on like the time of year and how much, how hard your training is in general, I would say a good general rule of thumb for the majority of athletes. I want about a, a I want thirds. So I want about a third of your plate to be protein. Okay. So that's going to be, you know, your chicken, your fish, your lean beef, uh, your steak, turkey, whatever kind of beef or whatever kind of meat or protein. There's plant sources of protein too. So if we do have vegetarians or vegans, we can still get protein from plant sources. What about are those? Are, can you, can you talk, talk about those really quick? Yeah. So the plant sources of, yeah. So, um, non non animals well so if, depending on what kind of restrictions they have so we can also do like eggs are going to have uh protein so does dairy um and then we can have then we have plant foods too so the plant foods that have protein are things like beans so black beans pinto beans red beans garbanzo beans uh lentils mm -hmm. uh grains too we're going to have some so like uh whole grain uh rice quinoa those will have a little bit mm -hmm. Um, and then we can get some too in like tofu, like in soy products. So we can get some there. Um, and then generally too, if with that kind of eating style, you're kind of, you're kind of getting protein from a variety of sources. Mm -hmm. So you kind of have to kind of mix and match to get all the, to get the total protein. And then also some of those different amino acids that you need. Mm -hmm. Um, so about a third of our plate be the protein. Mm -hmm. We want about a third of our plate to be the carbohydrate. Okay. So again, sweet potato, rice. Uh, whatever kind of protein or carbohydrate source you want. And then I want the other third to be fruits and vegetables. Mm -hmm. So I kind of break it out that way. And then you tend to get, like, we do want to get those healthy fats in too. We tend to get the healthy fats. So like, so let's say if you had, if your protein source was salmon, then you'd get some healthy fats in that salmon. Or for your, um, a third of plate of the vegetable, if you had a salad and you put like an olive oil salad dressing on it, that's going to give you the healthy fats there. Mm -hmm. So you tend to get those healthy fats in. Um, but we're not going to have a whole section generally of the plate that's going to be a fat source. Got you, got you. Yeah, this is so, very enlightening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, so, so those three categories, when you're thinking about building your meal, think mm -hmm. about we want always want a, a lean protein source, mm -hmm. always want a good complex carbohydrate source, mm -hmm. and then vegetables for sure. And then if you can't get vegetables, get a fruit. Got you. Gotcha. And then we can, we can adjust those portions based on the training demand. So if you have like a really hard training day, we can mm -hmm. change that third, third of the plate of carbohydrates to half of a plate of carbohydrates Okay. or, or vice versa. If it's a little bit of a light training day or an off day, we can go more of a fourth of a plate of carbohydrates. Um, so it's, it's those kind of things that we want to individualize and periodize based on the athlete's goals and also their training demands at that time of the, that day or that kind of season. Okay, so recently, what we've been talking about a lot is the food. I mean, you did a great job of breaking down the food. So what about hydration? I mean, I'm sure that food plays a part in hydration as well, but why should we um, hydrate and how do we hydrate as student athletes? Yeah, that's another obviously huge component of an athlete's habits or should be. Uh, the body is made up of over like 60% of water. Mm -hmm. So water and fluid have a lot to do too with how our body processes things and keeping us healthy. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's going to, I mean, it, again, it does a ton of different things. It's involved in muscle contraction. It lubricates joints. Uh, it's involved in like the blood circulation. So if we're dehydrated, that can affect our blood volume, which can affect like oxygen delivery to muscles. It can affect nutrient delivery. So it's going to be, again, play a lot of roles again in that physiology of the body that we need to be functioning properly again, to maintain optimal health and also optimal athletic performance. So it's, and again, even like a slight amount of dehydration can significantly impair athletic performance. Mm. So when we look at how to hydrate, that will vary a little bit too, kind of like nutrition with its individualized hydration is individualized too, but kind of some good general things to always do is just make sure you're drinking plenty of water. Okay. And so one, again, everybody's hydration needs vary. A good general rule of thumb with that is to take your body weight, divide that in half, and then that amount, um, drink at least that amount in ounces of water. So if we have, again, a 200 pound athlete, half of that is a hundred. So that would be, you know, if they can aim for at least a hundred ounces of water a day. Okay. And so that's, again, just a general rule of thumb. And then it's going to depend too, of course, on like their training. So like, what type of training do they do? What environment are they training in? So are you, you know, are you training in August in Texas and it's 120 degrees Damn. out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm sure. I mean, what was, I'm sure you lost like, you know, so like for you guys in training camp, you know, in for football in August, you could lose, you know, I mean, some of the larger football players, you can lose up to 10 pounds yes. in one training session. So that's going to be a loss in fluids. And generally too, I mean, sweat is not just water, you know, there's electrolytes and sweat and that kind of stuff too. So that's going to be also a part of our hydration plan. Mm -hmm. So electrolytes are things like sodium, potassium, those kind of things. So, you know, we definitely want to hydrate with water and then we can also hydrate with sports drinks or a variety. There's so many options now for sports drinks. So you have your classic like Gatorade, Powerade, those kind of things. There's a lot of like tablets that you're like powder packets that you can use that are electrolytes. And then when we get into that, there's a couple of different considerations we can have. So we, we always want to replace the fluids. We want to replace electrolytes. And then two, some electrolyte or some sports drinks have those carbohydrates too, to help with kind of just giving you some carbs, quick, easy carbs during that training session. So mm-hmm. kind of depending on those factors will dictate what's the best option for the athlete in terms of if they want, you know, fluids and electrolytes or fluids, electrolytes and carbs. So just those kind of things will be things to consider for the athlete to hydrate with. Mm-hmm. So does that, um, does it differ based on like post-workout um, or like pre-workout or before the game? Like let's say we have a game on a Friday. So is it true? I've heard that two days before a game is really when you should start revving up your um, your hydration. Is that true? I mean, I know we're supposed to be doing it consistently throughout, but like, should we ramp it up even more? So I would say it depends on the, it depends on the situation. Like you said, I mean, ideally the athlete is hydrating consistently. So again, ideally we're hydrating consistently. We're eating well each and every day. So we're doing those things consistently. And then let's say in your scenario. So yeah, it's like a Friday night game. Okay. And then let's say if it is in August, and, you know, there are, there are some things we can do a couple days before to just make sure we'll, we're well hydrated and well fueled, uh, kind of consistently, let's just say even day in and day out, kind of, you know, pre-practice, during practice, post-practice, and even games too, trying to do that consistently. I mean, I would say the majority of the time outside of training sessions and games, you're hydrating with water. Mm-hmm. And then we can utilize those electrolytes and you get, you get electrolytes and fluids through foods as well. 
So, you know, if you have like salt, for example, it's if you salt your foods or mm. you, salt is in a lot of food. So we're going to get electrolytes and fluids through food as well. Um, but we can ramp it up. And again, I would say that what's going to be individualized based on the environment that the athlete's playing in mm-hmm. uh, and also that individual. So some individuals just, they have cramping issues or they are really like heavy sweaters mm-hmm. and or really salty sweaters, meaning they just lose a lot more salt and sodium in their sweat than others. So mm-hmm. there's individual factors like that too. And depending on like the level that the athlete's at, you know, we can do sweat testing and we can, um, you can weigh yourself like before and after a training session to see how much fluid you have lost. So and that's like, even for someone that's like, you know, if you're not super high level and you want to know, you know, how much you should drink after, let's say a hard practice in the summer, you can weigh yourself before that training session and then weigh yourself after and try to keep everything else the same, you know, in terms of just clothing and that kind of stuff. Right. And then each pound that you lose, replace that with 16 to 24 ounces of fluid. Mm-hmm. Got you. Oh, that's amazing. Okay. Um, you're giving our audience a lot of great tips right now. Um, can you talk to our student athletes who might be struggling with their, um, with their diet or their nutrition overall? And they love, let's say we have a, a person who loves junk food. So how do you help a student athlete kind of, or any athlete move from where they are to over here to healthier eating? Yeah. And the thing, the thing to remember is like, no one's, no one's diet's perfect. Mm -hmm. Like no one's is. And that's not what I'm trying to get the athletes to do. So I would rather have an athlete that's consistent with healthy habits than like anything else. So we want to build on those healthy habits. So, Mm -hmm. and I always say there's a spectrum with nutrition. So everybody is at a different starting point with nutrition based on their knowledge, based on their food preferences, based on a lot of different things. So I like to try to find where they're currently at, what their current habits are, and then find those ways to move in the right direction. So, you know, if it is, you, you know, so you only like junk food kind of thing, try to try to find ways that we can slowly do that. And that's going to, again, the ways that I would recommend would vary a little bit based on the situation. But, and again, even if like you're, one, one thing, most people don't eat enough fruits and vegetables. Okay. Mm-hmm. We all know those are healthy, but we don't eat a lot of those. Right. So one thing it's like, look for ways, even if it's, you know, they eat, they're eating fast food. Maybe we get, instead of getting French fries as a side, we get a fruit or a vegetable as a side. And that's one small step. And we can, if we can continue to try to find those small steps and continually take it, take those steps and move in that direction. That's, I mean, that's the way we want to go. Because again, we're eating the rest of our lives. So the way you eat as an athlete should look different than when you're not an athlete, but some of those same principles will apply. But we can just, again, change the portions or change different things because we're just, you know, as the activity goes down, we need to, our raw food intake should go down. Right. Um, but I would say find those things again. And I think too, you have to find things that are sustainable and practical mm-hmm. to make it like, again, like consistent habits. So try to find those things that you can add in. Or if you know, a lot of athletes are like picky with vegetables. So they don't like any vegetables, but maybe they like green beans or something. So it's like, okay, well, eat green beans. (laughs) If that's the only one you like, eat green beans. Because again, that's better. That's going to give you a little bit more nutrients than no vegetables. And maybe, you know, try a new one because you might like it. So it's, it's dependent, I think, on the person. But trying to find those small steps that you can repeat and continue to do that and build on those habits and move in that direction that is going to give you healthier habits. Right. Yeah, I love that you meet the student athlete um, where they are. I think that's very, very important as well um, in any aspect of life. Um, unfortunately, as we think about healthy eating, uh, some of our student athletes 
are on a budget. They don't have the um, ability to get everything because a lot of times, well, the mis- I don't know if it's a misperception now, you can talk about that, that healthier eating is more expensive than when we eat like the junk foods and other things. So if you want to talk about that first and then I'll ask my follow-up question. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I think either, I think it, both statements can be true of like eating healthy is expensive, eating unhealthy is expensive. Like it can be expensive, but it can also be affordable. Depends okay. how you do it. Depends on your habits. So if you are on a budget and you're trying to eat healthy, the biggest thing I would say is limit eating out mm-hmm. and start, you know, grocery shopping. So that's one skill I think that's also really important for life is learning how to like, even if, even if you're not like a, go huge like you know you don't have to be the you don't have to be an amazing chef just learn to cook a few things and then plan out that week or two so like you know look at look ahead a week or two and think okay what meals do i need what meals do i want to make decide on that make your grocery list and then go to the grocery store grocery shop and then cook and then be okay too with eating leftovers and uh like you can and it depends too on your living situation you know if you're living by yourself and cooking for yourself or if you're cooking for others um, but learn how to do some of those basic food skills of just grocery shopping, cooking, and limit eating out. That's one way to to do that. And there's even skills within that. So like when you're grocery shopping or when you're even when you're making your list and you're trying to decide what you want, look at your, so whatever grocery store you go to. So let's say if it's Kroger, every week they have like a weekly ad. So you can look at their weekly ad and be like, oh, chicken's on sale this week or oh, um, strawberries are on sale this week, or you, there's going to ha- there's going to be sales, and you can even inc- incorporate those things into your meals that week. So then you're getting better prices for those items, and you're including that. So that's one way to be budget friendly. Mm-hmm. And then there's a lot of items too that really aren't that expensive. So like again, black beans, canned items, uh, microwavable things. Some of those things are pretty affordable. And you can, you can make healthy meals out of it. And some things too, like you can even replicate at home that, so like, for example, I I don't remember if we ever made this, but like a a McDonald's McMuffin breakfast sandwich. Okay. If you got that out and let's say if you got two or three of those at McDonald's every single day, that's going to be six or $7 each time you can make those. If you get English muffins, eggs, cheese, and Canadian bacon or whatever kind of meat you want, you can make those at home for much, much cheaper. I think you can, I've priced it out before. I think it's like 47 cents or something each sandwich. Uh, so you can replicate that at home. So it's, you're still basically eating the same thing, but it's cheaper. Mm-hmm. And so, so there's even things like that that you can do too. Or if like, if you love Chipotle, okay, go buy stuff, go buy stuff that you can make it at home. So buy black beans, buy rice, buy chicken, buy tortillas. So whether you like burrito bowls or burritos, get that stuff and make it at home. And then you're, I mean, even if you do that, like those kind of things add up to where you're going to start saving money. Yeah. And I think one of the things that's interesting to me as we're talking is that you're naming places that like it tastes good, like those different, like Chipotle, McDonald's, people like going there. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes people think that having good nutrition, I know I was one of these people as well, like it's boring. But what you're saying is that you can do, like you can still have fun and experience these like different tastes and flavors that you want while still being eating healthy. Yes, absolutely. Perfect. Um, and so I was searching on your, um, on your page and you said something about having a healthy relationship with food. Um, can you kind of talk about what that means if you haven't already ta- hit on that point already um, throughout? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, 
and again, everyone is different with kind of their relationship with food and kind of what they, how they view food and that kind of thing. There are situations and times for individuals that just maybe, you know, they'll have some type of disordered eating or, or, I mean, there are, you know, eating disorders. It's a clinically diagnosable condition. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's, there's a range too with that and a range of severity, but those kind of habits or beliefs, if you have a disordered eating pattern, and sometimes it's unintentional. Sometimes, you know, the athlete's not, or the individual's not trying to have like a unhealthy way of eating, but, and sometimes it is intentional because maybe they're, you know, trying to lose weight or trying to do something. So they'll restrict or they'll, you know, go in cycles of binge and restrict and those kind of things. So there's again, a wide range of that. But I think if we're, if we have an individual that is in that state in any of those scenarios, that can lead to unhealthy like behaviors in other areas of life. So basically a healthy relationship with food, I think is viewing it in a way that enhances and makes other areas of your life healthy. Cause you know, I think so much of our health is connected. So, you know, like our physical health our mental health, emotional, spiritual, all those things are connected in some way. And I can't tell you all the connections, but all that stuff is, it all like kind of dominoes into the other one. So right. with our eating that can impact and the way we view food can impact other areas. So I think having a healthy relationship with food is viewing it in a way that like, you know, you're, and again, I think it, it's dependent on, it's a little bit different for, for each person, but you're, you're viewing food in a way that you know you, it's essential to life. It's an opportunity to nourish your body and give your body what it needs. And not in the sense of like, I don't like the mindset of like, you know, you have to like earn your food or you have mm-hmm. to like, or if you eat unhealthy food, it's you're bad or kind of just those feelings of guilt that are associated with food. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no food that's like good or bad. There are some, yes, that enhance our health more than others. So I like kind of more of that lifestyle and mindset and behaviors that are like, I can eat anything I want. Mm-hmm. You, and you can, it doesn't change who you are as a person. But in, again, trying to live a healthy lifestyle, we want to eat foods that are going to help us, again, maintain a healthy weight. Mm-hmm. If you're an athlete, improve your athletic performance. Um, give us the nutrients, again, that we need. And again, it's in, again, part of food, too, is eating foods that you enjoy. And again, some people like to eat healthy foods. Some people don't. So again, there's kind of everybody's different with all these things. But basically, it's like having a healthy relationship with food to me means it's not consuming your thoughts of like, oh, I shouldn't eat this. I shouldn't eat this. I had a slice of cake last night, so I can't eat today. You're not, you know, you're not punishing yourself with your food choices, basically. Mm-hmm. You're feeding yourself in a way that's um, adding health to you with not only the foods that you're choosing, but also other areas of life. And I think, you know, think about it in terms of like, you know, if you're in an unhealthy relationship kind of thing, Mm -hmm. you know, you're like, that's probably going to affect some other areas of your life kind of thing. Whereas if you're in like a healthy relationship that, you know, it's, it's probably positively impacting you and other areas of your life as well. Mm-hmm. So I think the same thing can happen with food. You know, if we have a healthy relationship with food and we're, and we're feeding our body the way it needs to be fed, that's going to overflow in positive ways in other areas of life. I think mentally we'll feel better. Physically we'll feel better. All those kind of things. Whereas I think the same is true in the other scenario to where if we're negatively, if we have a negative relationship with like our body and food, that's going to spill over to other areas of life that are not going to be beneficial for our health. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, very good perspective. And I like that a lot. Um, so just a couple more questions for you. Um, these are kind of like one-off questions. Okay. Um, is there such thing as having too little body fat? 
So there is such a thing. And I mean, it, again, there's different scenarios and kind of getting, I mean, it's not a bad question, not a bad follow-up question with what we just talked about, because if we have disordered eating or an eating disorder to where you're not feeding your body enough energy consistently, that can lead to lower than normal, like body weight. And it can lead to like unhealthy body fat. Mm -hmm. So, which can, again, if we're consistently doing that, that can lead to like poor bone health that can lead to menstrual irregularities in females. So it can lead to some things that aren't beneficial for our health. If, if we're restricting and not giving our body enough food. Mm -hmm. Now there are some people, so that's kind of in that if we're not eating enough energy, Mm -hmm. there are some people that are of course, naturally like thin and naturally low in body fat. And so if they're still, if they're eating an appropriate amount, but still can just, you know, are naturally thin and have low body fat, generally that's not a problem. We generally have a problem if it's like, we're just, we've, rest- we've restricted calories for a while to get to that point. Gotcha. Perfect. Um, and then this next question is, I know a lot of, um, this is kind of more so like in the wrestling football, more physically demanding um, sports where you're pushing up against someone and that's the uh, protein shakes or like pre-workout. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about these and do they actually work to enhance performance? So that's a, that's a good question. One thing that I always encourage my athletes to do is kind of, you know, th- think about your nutrition habits from like a bigger, from the bigger picture view. Cause I think it's in nutrition in general, I think it's really easy to like you know, you look at one thing, you're like, oh, it's, it's this, that's, you know, that I'm missing, or it's, oh, this is the answer. It's like, you're looking at just one single thing from like one, like view, whereas we need to look at the kind of the overall pattern. Okay. So like with that, like with protein shakes, for example, you know, I mean, we know protein is important. We want to get enough protein throughout the day. We do want to time it around training and that kind of thing. So we can look at that, um, based on again, timing needs and the situation. So like protein shakes, for example, you know, you can get the ready to drink shakes. You can get protein powder. You can blend it yourself. You can put it in smoothies. Protein powder is a very convenient and protein drinks too, a very convenient way of getting in protein. Okay. So if that's going to be efficient and convenient and works with our overall kind of nutrition plan, great. So like, you know, in college athletics, for example, in the fueling stations, those protein shakes and protein drinks and things like that can be really beneficial because that athlete may not be eating again for five or six hours kind of thing. So that's a really good way to help get in protein for muscle recovery. Now, if someone is, you know, they train and they're going to eat, a, like, let's say, you know, after a lift and you guys were going to go eat breakfast right away. Okay. Depending on the person. So let's say if we have an athlete that was trying to gain weight. Okay. So that protein drink and a well-balanced meal totally fine because they need those additional calories to gain weight. Let's say if we have an athlete that was trying to lose a little bit of weight, that protein shake after the uh, weights for them, it's not bad for them. It's just if they're going to get a well-balanced breakfast right away, I'd rather them not have the protein shake and have a well-balanced breakfast that's going to give them adequate protein because we're still getting recovery, we're still getting nutrients, but we're not having the extra calories from the protein shake. So I would say it can be, it, it, it can definitely be used positively. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think you consider the overall uh, picture of that athlete's nutrition plan and also their goals. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then with, um, with, you, did you ask about pre-workouts? Too? Yes. Okay. So with all these, with supplements in general, any supplement we use, so whether it's um, a, some kind of pre-workout supplement or any kind of supplement, 
we want to make sure that it's third party tested. Mm. So an athlete that's competing in NCAA or really in any league, we supplements can be pretty sketchy because there's no, there's very, very few uh, limitations and regulations on supplements. So especially if we have an athlete that again, is competing in NCAA or in a professional organization, we definitely want to make sure it's third party tested because then we can just know that there's nothing additional in the product that's not listed on the label. Mm -hmm. So I would say always, always make sure you have a third party tested supplement. Sure. And when we look at pre-workouts, it, it varies. So it kind of depends on obviously the ingredients that are in the pre-workout. Um, so I would say that's kind of a case by case basis, but there's also a lot of things we can do to help with that pre-workout. That's not a supplement. So, you know, again, depending on the timing. So, you know, do you need a carbohydrate snack before? Do you want to have that and a little bit of caffeine or beetroot juice, or there's a lot of different kind of products that are food mm -hmm. that are not supplements that we can utilize for pre-workout that may even be more beneficial. Mm -hmm. So I think it depends on, again, kind of those, that overall picture and the timeline of when, when is the workout, when you typically take the pre-workout. So all those questions, I would say we would need to look at on an individual basis, but I would say, make sure you're doing everything from the food side. Um, and I mean, in an ideal world, we're combining, you know, we have great nutrition and we're adding in those supplements when needed mm -hmm. to make again, a good overall nutrition plan. Got you. Perfect. That's amazing. Um, I think this has been very enlightening, Brittany. Um, I do want to ask you, is there anything else that you think is important for our student athletes to know before we, uh, as we wrap up and before we leave? Um, I mean, there's, I, I, I like talking about nutrition, so I could talk about it a lot. I mean, I think one thing, one point that you, which, but again, it's like nutrition. I think one thing that you mentioned earlier is what I kind of wanted to touch on. was like, you mentioned like, you know, it, it, some people think nutrition's boring or if you're eating healthy, like, I think there's this idea that, you know, nutrition is boring and nutrition means if I'm eating healthy, it means I have to have like chicken, broccoli and rice every meal. Right. And if I'm eating healthy, I have to eat like really small or I have to eat just salads all the time or like, I mean, sure, those things are healthy, but that's not like, that's not what it means. You know, there's so many different aspects of eating healthy and like eating in a way that, it, that you enjoy, but it's still healthy for you the most of the time. And like, I mean, and again, no one's diet's perfect. Like pizza is my all time favorite food. Like I eat pizza, <laughs> pizza. <laughs> but like, so I think you have to find a way that's like, you know, you're, you eat in a way that fits within your budget, that meets your needs for your, again, if you're an athlete, you've got to find a way to support your training, support your goals. Uh, do it and, and do it in a way that you enjoy, but also that's going to, that's going to help you be the best athlete you can be. So it's, it, and it's a learning process, you know, but it's one of those things I think is worth learning because again, you're eating the rest of your life. So, and I think right now, I mean, just with the COVID situation and being at home more, um, that kind of thing, it's a good time to learn some skills that maybe you wouldn't have time for. So, you know, learn to cook some meals, learn to grocery shop, learn to do some of those things. Um, because it, again, it's going to benefit you now and in the future. Got you. Perfect. Brittany, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I hope everything goes well with you and the Mavericks and FC Dallas and that you continue like to grow and move steps up. So thank you so much. And I hope you have a great rest of your week and I hope everyone listening does as well.